0: Good evening, my name is Mike Murley, and welcome to WPKN's Mike Check, coming to you on WPKN every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Welcome to everyone listening at 89.5 FM on your radio dial, and welcome to everyone streaming live or tuning into our podcast at WPKN.org. Each week on Mike Check, one of our hosts, examines global, national, and regional issues and their effect on our local community. Just as the phrase, Mic Check, was used to mobilize people to create a human microphone during the Occupy movement and others. This weekly program seeks to amplify our community's many voices and bring them to the airwaves. Mike Check is followed on WPKN at 6 p.m. by another public affairs program, the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Mike Murley, and I am on the roster of hosts for this program, Mike Check, which occurs every Sunday from 5:30 to 6 p.m. And I usually host every third and fifth Sunday. So tonight I'm very excited to be joined by Kira Ordeliva. Kira is, um, so Kira Ordeliva was best friends with 19-year-old Mubarak Suleiman, who was shot and killed by Connecticut State Police just over one year ago on January 15, 2020. Kira, alongside Mubarak's family has been leading the Justice for Mubarak movement, fighting for justice for Mubarak's life. Welcome to Mike Chikira.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Mike.
0: Of course. Thank you so much for for being on the show tonight. Um, yeah, I just wanted to. Of course. F- I just wanted to start off by saying, my heart goes out to you and all of Mubarak's family and friends. I, you know, and I can't believe it's already been one year since his murder by connecticut state police
1: it's it's been it's been quite a year it's it's unbelievable it's unbelievable to feel it's already been a year since
0: yeah i remember i remember first finding out and first hearing and definitely yeah definitely doesn't feel like a year ago it's um but i you know i wanted to ask you how are you feeling tonight how are you feeling right now
1: um, within the last vigil, it was it was really powerful energy, and I feel uplifted by the crowd around me and the supporters that we have. And I do feel hopeful for um, the end game and what's coming. But um, I just um, I feel really supported by the community around us in the state of Connecticut.
0: Um, Kira, you know, so I. Thank you for for sharing that, and um, and it is it is interesting that like um, that, and 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 surprising still too, in a lot of ways that there are so many people who who you know are still learning about Mubarak and still learning his story and and he and finding out for the first time what happened to him, um, and so I was wondering for for any of our listeners tonight who are listening right now but actually didn't hear about what happened and and you know don't really know what we're talking about right now um could you well to start off could you could you talk about who Mubarak was um before we get to to you know to the the next that next question um could you talk about who Mubarak was and how the two of you met and became friends
1: Sure yeah of course um I met Mubarak a few years ago through uh, mutual friends while we were still in high school. And um, through then, we became friends. Uh, You know, we would spend a lot of time together, hanging out, um, going to parties, normal teenage things. And... um, As I entered college at Gateway Community College, I learned that he went to the same school as I did. So uh, we spent a lot of time in between classes, um, before classes, even after school. We would hang out around the Gateway Community College Center, and uh, we would talk about life, talk about um, the activism that I was doing, um, talk about how his interest in basketball and lacrosse, he was really, really focused in business, and he wanted to go to a national and maybe an international level in selling different types of things like clothes, for example. Um, he was really, really interested in activism as well, which is which is quite ironic, um, but there is always uh, one thing that always stood out about him, and um, especially how we became friends, which is a very important part of the story, is his kindness. Um, in raw honesty, um, Mubarak always went out of his way to do things for other people, and he always went out of his way to make sure that people around him were also happy. And there, for example, there were times when, after school, I would say to him, "I have to go take the train back to back to my town," and he would shake his head at me and go, "Nope, come on, I'll drive you." Because he knew how dangerous it was for a female to be on the train late at night, maybe 10 p.m. after classes. So it was meeting him definitely changed my life and shaped me into a better person. And um, one thing that I want everyone to take away from who he was was that um, he always he's a bright light, always spreading happiness.
0: Wow, that's that's so beautiful and so powerful. Um, thank you for sharing that, Kira. Thank yeah. And so, um, so y- so you two had met um, and and become friends, and and you got to know him really really well, and um, and he became an important part of your life. And so, do you? I was wondering if you could talk about um and if it's too if it 's too difficult to talk about, it, I totally understand, and we can um, go to a different question but I was wondering if you talk if you could talk about those those first moments when you first found out what happened and what you were feeling at that time
1: so um I had just gotten off of a, a video game and I was um planning to head out to um my boyfriend's house to you know, just do daily things and uh I got a call from one of my friends and he was crying on the other end of the phone and I, I was asking him, What's wrong? Are you okay? Is everything all right? And they said they shot him and I said, Who shot who? What happened? He said, Police killed Mubi. and I I didn't I didn't um register the sentence at the time and I asked again and I said, What do you mean? And he explained it a little bit more. Um, he said that he just saw um, news about um, a man who was killed, and he believed that it was Mubi. And um, I immediately dropped to my knees, and I I'd, I'd felt like um, my chest, like I felt as though my lungs had collapsed. Um, and as I drove to my boyfriend's house, I was when I got there, I was looking through the news. I was calling his friends, and... Um, when I did call his friends I did learn that a lot of them already knew about it and they, they knew that, that it was him. And shortly thereafter, um, the police posted the name. Uh and it was I can't even explain it as heartbreaking. It was absolutely soul crushing to see something like that happen to him out of all people.
0: I can't even imagine I can't even imagine what you're feeling and what his family was feeling and going through and i my heart goes out to you and mubarak's family every day i yeah i can't imagine how that how that felt um and and i'm so sorry that that you that that yeah that that happened and um i so yeah, I can't imagine getting that news, like you were just saying, and and then, you know, there. How soon after was the first protest?
1: It's a little hard for me to remember now since it's been such such a long time. But I believe that the first protest within was, was within the span of two weeks right after the shooting. Um, and it, it was one of the biggest ones that we've ever had, with over a thousand people joining us on the streets of New Haven.
0: Yeah, I believe I was at at that one. That was that was such a powerful protest. Um, and again, it feels like it doesn't even make sense that that was a year ago. Like it just, I don't know.
1: Doesn't feel like it.
0: Yeah. Um, Really quick, for anyone just tuning in, you are listening to WPKN Independent Community Radio, broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport, serving Fairfield, New Haven, and Litchfield Counties in Connecticut and Suffolk County on New York's Long Island. We stream around the world at wpkn.org, tune in radio, and our app WPKN Live, and via your smart speakers, just tell Siri or Alexa to play WPKN Radio. Uh, as well as hundreds of podcasts that we always have 24 7 at wpcan.org and the name of this program is mike check my name is mike murley i am one of the roster of hosts um, i do every third and fifth sunday and i'm joined right now by Kira ordeleva who is best friends with 19 year old mubarak Suleiman, who was shot and killed by connecticut state police just over one year ago on january 15th, 2020. and kira has been leading the justice for mubarak movement Alongside Mubarak's family. Ever since, and it's been such a powerful movement this past year, um, born from such a devastating and unimaginable loss. Uh, there have been protests and vigils, like the one, like the first one that you just mentioned, Kira, and the world has gotten mm-hmm. to learn more about Mubarak through through the voices and stories of his family and through everything that you've shared. And um, and I just wanted to know if you could talk about uh, the movement a little bit more up to this point.
1: Yes, of course. Um, the movement has, um, it's definitely expanded from where we began. Um, we, Mavar, um, family, and I, we definitely did not expect to see as many people out in the streets with us on the first protest as they were and that definitely uplifted us to continue and fight as hard as we could. And um I hear a lot of people say that Mubarak was the turning point for Connecticut in terms of um being aware to police brutality, but I would like to say that it was um it wasn't in a way because these things have been continuing for a long time, which is also another very deep connection to how we started the movement. Um, we wouldn't be here today without the help of other people, such as Justice for Jason or um, the Lost Boys Project, um, which are which is a prison abolition group in Connecticut. And um, organizing has been built around finding new connections and uplifting other people's stories as well as Mubarak's. And it's built sort of a community within Connecticut of activists and people who care for the movement as deeply as we do. And these protests originally were to bring publicity and to show people what's going on in the state and to not just let it be a normal day where people are shopping without even knowing what happened the night before. And that's one aspect that we fought very, very hard to uh, build and to bring to the protest um, these the chants that we say or the speakers that we hold is for the people who do not know, and we want to make sure that the people who don't who do not know is we're not fighting against you. We are fighting for people who you may even know, and um, working through this movement has it's it's been very very hard throughout the brutality and um, the pain but um, each protest to get stronger and stronger in each vigil we become more of a community and I think that's the really really beautiful part about um, protesting in Connecticut.
0: Thank you so much for, for sharing that Kira and bouncing off of what you were just saying um, there's there's be- definitely been, been so much that's been a, that that has happened in the Justice for Mubarak movement this past year and different things that have have gone on and I know that as much as there's been a lot of support, there's also been a lot of really scary situations and mm-hmm. like uh thing yeah, just all kinds of things involving uh involving the police and different situations. Mm-hmm. Um and i heard you know i i, I know that there is a, a situation happening right now involving the west haven police department um mm. and if if you feel comfortable sharing anything about that um even briefly um feel free of course
1: yeah um on july 5th of 2020 um our community took part in um a protest in west haven for mubarak for us who was taken at the hands of Trooper Brian North um, on January 15th, as we said. But um, at the end of this protest, two individuals attempted to run us over with their vehicles, um, indeed hitting myself and and a few others. They endangered the safety of the public, and each person (laughs) who took the streets to honor and demand justice for our friend and our brother and our son, who has been killed. And West Haven police responded by allowing these individuals to leave and instead brutalized and arrested those who were a part of the protest. Now six months later, West Haven police are claiming that they have warrants to arrest people who were at the protest, at our July protest. And two individuals since then have been arrested, and West Haven police are planning to arrest more. We see these arrests as a retaliation and a tactic to scare us from demanding justice, and it's terrifying to see that police departments are more invested in silencing protesters than they are invested in taking dangerous people off the streets who are in their own departments.
0: You can't see me right now, but I'm, I'm snapping to uh, in agreement with <laughs> with what you're saying um so thank you for sharing that and and so also connecting with what you were sharing before about the movement and about connect uh you know uplifting other stories and connecting with so many different groups and people in this really beautiful way um one thing that has always inspired me about about the work that you have dedicated yourself to and that you continue to do is not just not just like actually you know actively trying to learn more about about different experiences and different struggles, but really um, really touching on the intersections and really trying to do intersectional work um, and bring bring everybody together and really think about all the different intersections of op- oppressions mm-hmm. and and struggles and how how we all in, in certain ways live at these intersections and trying to, like, lift that up um, and be super just mindful and conscious of of that in the work that you do. And so I wanted to acknowledge that and appreciate that about the work that you do and about what you've been doing with Justice for Mubarak. Um, like, because even, I mean, look, Mubarak himself lived at the intersection of multiple experiences and identities. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a little bit about that um really quick and then um and then also um how how that ties into um something else that I know is you've talked a lot about um and that I've been trying to learn more about in the past year which is abolition.
1: Definitely. I think um I think uh, as we talk about this, the first thing that I want to say is that abolition does get a a very, very bad rep in the media. And I think that it starts off good to just uh, throw in sort of a a definition of it and what it really is. Abolition is sort of the belief system that the current government systems do more harm than than good and must be um, taken away or abolished due to corruption and racial disparities. So. With intersectionality, what we've tried to tackle in this movement is the fact that um, people with who are suffering from mental health are 16 times more likely to be killed by police. Or, you know, there are so many people who are houseless on our streets, yet there are new buildings being built every day, and they have they still have no housing. Or, um, you know, there's femicide going on. There's missing, murdered Indigenous women, and what we don't understand is that all of these connect to one another we all are we all we all we all will know someone that is either oppressed or has experienced oppression and we cannot turn a blind eye to it which is why we want to tackle as many social issues as possible Like when it comes to uh, veteran shelters, for example, that is one thing that we've been fighting for to get more funding for or houseless shelters, because uh, veterans' health in this country is severely undermined, just as the health system is for black women or for indigenous women. So it's a very, very intricate system, and we want to tackle it as much as possible because When we fight for a community, we want to fight for everyone that is in that community. And although we may focus on specific groups, and although it may have the term Black Lives Matter, Black lives are at the forefront because Black lives are the ones that are under attack. But intersectionality allows us to see how these things will also connect to other groups and also bring that all in so that we can hold the community together and bring us all in together. So with these steps, we would have to defund police departments to get enough funding and ability to refund the city's community services, such as affordable housing or youth services, education, environmental protection, and more. And famous abolitionists include Harriet Tubman and, Tubman and Frederick Douglass, who were amazing people who fought for the civil rights movement. And when we look at the statistics on police brutality, we understand that we cannot reform this system. So, for example, black men are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by police than their white counterparts, which is from the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. And in some states, black communities were up to six, eight, or almost 10 times more likely to be arrested, which is from the American Civil Liberties Union. And then, Latino youth are 65% more likely to be be detained or confined than their white peers, which is from the sentencing project. And 80% of people in federal prison and 60% of people in state prison are black or Latino, which is from the prison policy initiative. So when we take a look at these statistics, we understand that so many different groups are being attacked and we cannot reform a system that's foundation is built on things such as um, the Slave Patrol, for example, which is where uh, policing came from in the southern states, um, specifically to uh, round up black people who had escaped from slavery or were free then and submit them to harsher work or submit them to jail time or uh, make sure that black communities were not breaking the law per se. So when we look at all of this history and all of these statistics, we start to see how things start to intertwine with one another and um, take as an example, if you see a houseless person on the side of the street, you're not going to turn away from them because you're going to want to give them at least something, you know, maybe food or a gift card or something that will help them get through the rest of their day. This is the same thing for everything else all these social issues you cannot turn a blind eye to it because it it affects every aspect every social aspect is affected by disparities so that's one thing that justice for mubarak has been trying to tackle because mubarak himself was muslim he had a mental illness schizophrenia which in which he cannot tell right from wrong and um, he was black so he had some he was intertwined in multiple communities where he was heavily oppressed and we don't want to shed we want to shed light on all of these different issues at the same time because abolition is intersectionality
0: thank you so much for sharing all that kira that was really really powerful and just thank great you. great information for for everyone to have, Um, so thank you so much. And we have just a few minutes left, so I was wondering if you could talk about where Mubarak's case is at right now and what the next steps are from here.
1: So Mubarak's case is a little, well it has it has been finished from what we hear from our lawyers and from the state's attorney. Um, there's added bureaucracy to it, so we won't hear the verdict for at least another at least a while from now. but uh, we do know that a verdict has been reached and that we are just waiting on them to release it for now. But uh, we are going to continue protesting and continue to fight, Um, definitely continue to uplift other groups, such as um, Citizens Opposed to Police States, uh, Justice for Jason, um, the Last Boys Project, Justice for Stephen Barrier. Um, Definitely thinking about possibilities of expansion, definitely going to have some things in mind. Um, time, Time will tell.
0: Awesome. And uh, what are some ways that our listeners can learn more about and support the Justice for Mubarak movement?
1: So um, so for the Justice for Mubarak movement, um, we do have a Facebook and Instagram page for people to stay updated. It is only written out as Justice for Mubarak. Um, Anyone can feel free to check out our social media. Um, we also do have, um, on our stories, we do share a lot of resources on, um, other groups from around the state and, um, in our posts as well, we share some resources about, um, abolition and ideologies. So, um, we do have everything in one. So social media is the best way to go.
0: Awesome. And Kira, what is a, what is a last, uh, last thought? or or a message or a reflection that you would like to share with everyone listening right now about Mubarak.
1: Mubarak was not the type of person to discriminate. his his life was based on love and spreading happiness to anyone. And he wanted to get involved with helping the climate, helping the houseless, helping others suffering from poverty. Life was not black and white for him, and he would never allow a person to suffer if he could help it. And through this, we want his legacy to live on in kindness. And that's that's one thing that I hope people will take away from who Mubarak was.
0: Thank you so much, Kira. Of
1: course. Thank you.
0: I've definitely—that's one of the things I've definitely learned— about Mubarak, I mean, everything that I've learned about Mubarak over the past year has been just beautiful and that he's he was this amazing, beautiful person. And and, and so, Kira Ortaleva, my heart goes out to you and Mubarak's family. I'm so sorry for thank your you. loss. And I thank you for the incredible and powerful work you've been doing fighting for justice. And I thank you for thank your you. bravery and your courage. You're an inspiration to me and so many people. Thank you for all you do.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, have a good night, Kira. And thanks so much for, again for, for being on the show tonight.
1: All right. Thank you so much. You too. Have a good one.
0: You too. This has been Mike Check, and I'm Mike Murley. Be sure to tune in next Sunday night at 530 for another episode. Next up, we have the Ralph Nader Radio Hour followed by Cool Blues and Rare Records with Al Bell. So please stay tuned right here to WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport.